Wait. <laughs> He's like, I did not even say a word, Danetto. It's not me, it's you. I'm uh, not, it's like seeing your stupid face right there on my Tuzen Yoga. That's not working. <laughs> my face is really, really nice. So maybe you're seeing the reflection of your picture. It's like, it's kind of funny. But, anyways, nobody's judging you sometimes. Make comments on my face. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back and welcome to the first ever podcast episode of 2021. How are you guys? I hope everyone is doing well, everyone is safe and healthy. I hope that January has been treating you well. For me, I've personally been taking a bit more time to consciously visit my city and get to walk in new places that I haven't been to before or just slow down and appreciate the places that I always pass by, the places that I always visit but that I never really took the time to appreciate and as I'm getting to know more about my city and I get to appreciate the beauty of our landmarks here, I can't help but wonder about the culture behind it about our traditions and about the society walks, which brings us to today's subject, which is going to be social norms, expectations, and breaking the cycle. So I did some research first before going into this, and I googled social norms, like what the hell does that mean? What is a social norm? And the definition that I got is that usually a norm govern our lives by giving us implicit and explicit guidance on what to think and believe, how to behave and how to interact with others. Now, there are four main types of social norms. Uh, I'm gonna try and do this very quickly so I don't bore you to sleep. <laughs> but basically the first one is folkways. And those are usually the norms that stem from social interaction and they emerge out of the repetition and the routine. So these can be as simple as waiting in line or raising your hand before speaking. The other one is mores. And so mores are a tad bit stricter than folkways because they determine what is considered moral and ethical behavior. And they give us the structure of what is right and what is wrong. They do indeed exert a greater coercive, coercive force in shaping our values, beliefs, behaviors, and interactions more than folkways do. The third one, which is far more interesting and that we're gonna be talking about, we're gonna be spilling the juice about this one, <laughs> is taboos. So those are very strong negative norms and that is simply the, the complete prohibition of certain behavior that is so strict that violating it might result in extreme disgust and even expulsion from a group or a society. Some very extreme examples might be cannibalism or incest. 
So yeah, <laughs> and the last ones are laws. And so laws are, I would say, a bit more formal. They are inscribed at the state or the federal level and they are enforced by the police or other government agents and they just prescribe what is legal and what is illegal. Now, now that we know what a social norm is, I think that gives us a nice little framework to work with and that can help us understand better what we're going to talk about as we can categorize it into the, the kind of norm that it belongs to. Now, let me introduce my guest for today. Let me introduce you to my least favorite person ever and my least favorite leader ever. <laughs> I'm going to get sued for this. <laughs> Hi, Fitz. Hey. Yeah, it's, only, it's not only suing you that you will get after this podcast, Madame, but oh, that's yeah. something to be discussed later. <laughs> and everybody knows that that's a lie. She loves me, by the way, and she's obsessed with me. But anyways, hello, Madame. Hi, how are you? Hello. I'm good. I'm actually good. I'm super excited. Uh, but like the, the first thing that I can say is that finally, finally, we managed to make it. But yeah, I'm super good. What about you? I'm like, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> how you doing? I'm okay. I'm really glad that we got to do this, especially since I think we've been talking about this for ages now and the time has finally mm. arrived, which is very, very nice. Are you ready to spill all the tea on our little society? Um, I was born ready for this topic. Let's go. <laughs> so I just kind of gave, you know, a framework for what social norms are, but that was a bit of like a very formal definition of it. So I want to see what you think about it. How would you define, let's say, um, a social norm and how... How do you think they govern our lives? Okay, uh, when it comes to social norms, I would take them as uh, certain, let's say, laws, maybe. I would not consider, th consider them as guidance, but like more as law laws or limits or, uh, let's say, the glasses that we're supposed to see, maybe the society, the community, or the culture that we live in and or the society or the culture that we were born uh, within. So I would describe them as the glasses, like mm -hmm. super uh, glasses that the society or the culture handles us once we are born or once we are mature enough to start understand or at least start to make up our minds to, let's say, come up with decisions. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know, I think they definitely do give us some sort of um, a framework to work with, as in, this is what is socially acceptable, this is what you're allowed to do, to think, to pursue, and this is what you're not. And I think it's really interesting that the two of us are doing this episode because we are from the two extreme sites of Algeria. So I'm from the East, you're from the West. And I think things are done very differently in Constantin and in Wahran. 
right? Definitely, definitely. By the way, when we uh, started brainstorming talking about the talk about this subject, uh, some of the points we were like super different. Uh, Madame was having different ideas. Like this is how things are done here in Algeria. It's like no, it's only like in maybe some of the cities and in the rest it's super different and it's actually uh, again i will emphasize on the on the point that algeria is such a big country that uh, we have so many uh cultures so many communities and so many beliefs so it's super different from one place to another and yes we may be living in the same country but we're not actually living the same life Mm-hmm. And that's sad, and that's let's say good at the same time for some people. If that's I can a say, interesting point that you're bringing up because you know I didn't really live here before being 18 and coming back to Algeria, and the first thing that was so striking to me and low key a bit hard to digest was seeing how homogenous the um, country was, because I just got used to being in such um a diverse, <laughs> a diverse social space that I didn't really care about others that much. Like they did that thing. I did mine. Each one of us had the different culture, tradition, religion, and it was relative to each person. When we came together, we only came together from a place of love and tolerance. And that was always so beautiful. Now here, the interesting thing is that people share a lot of the same values, a lot of the same traditions, cultures, and of course, most of them, not all of them, but a large part of the Algerian population is Muslim. And that was something that took me time to get adapted to because now I had to fit into a mold, which I never had to do before because it wasn't expected of me because I was always moving around. But now I was 18 living in Algeria and I now had to fit to society's standards of what an 18 year old girl should do and how she should behave and how she should dress and all of that. And of course, you know, these, um, I would say social norms don't dictate your life. They're always um, something that you can choose to follow or not, but it was very, it, it was a bit hard at first, seeing how everyone was seeing things through the same perspective. Uh, but now that we're actually having this conversation and that we have, we've, we've had this conversation before, realizing that things are being done very differently on a, a national level actually made me pay more notice to the little nuances that we have here on a local scale. And I got to notice that a lot of people do things differently according to their heritage. So like some people are Amazigh, other people are Shawi, other people have another origin, I would say. And, you know, being aware of that, I feel like it had made, it's, it's made me more prone to notice the little differences and the tiny little nuances that exist in our everyday life and the way we practice our culture and tradition. Yeah, if I can add uh, to that, is that like you may uh, see things differently, uh, especially that you lived in another country before, then you came here to like to Algeria, and it, it was like kind of I don't know, was this kind of a culture shock for you? Yeah, I would really love to know. It's the biggest cultural shock I ever had, which is so ironic. <laughs> it's so so because like you are, uh, you are Algerian, right? 
I am Algerian. And you did not get that impression until you actually lived in Algeria. Exactly. Yeah, again, um, when we were having this conversation, uh, it was super different from one city to another. And again, and sometimes it's not from one city to another. It's literally, it's from one community, one neighborhood to another. Uh, and it's super different. And sometimes it can really control your life. Maybe it's, it's uh, easy to say that the only thing that you should do is that you need to speak up or you need to start changing your environment or your society or your community where sometimes it's really really hard to change something that would that was shared and inherited uh decades and decades ago definitely um although i don't i do think that you know it is very complicated to change something that has been ongoing for a few generations or that is so deeply engraved in the community's mentality and the way of living their lifestyle if we take for example um let's talk about girls going out at night <laughs> here as a girl in Constantin um most of the time girls head back home after Maghrib which is you know the sundown and that is something that I wasn't necessarily used to before but now as soon as the sun goes down i just need to even before the sun is down i just need to you know rush home because then um it would get dangerous for me which is very sad to say in this time and in this yeah but yeah and you know at first i thought that it was the same everywhere but i got to talk to my cousin who is from Al algiers and she was like no that's not the case here and that's not the case either in Wuhan. And that just proves how, you know, how little communities, how little places, cities, how they take, let's say, the same, the same thing and they just practice it differently. Here, a girl can really stay outside past sundown, but in another city, that's completely okay and that's completely normal. Yeah, um, if we can talk about safety, um, it's not it's not something um, let's say that we can count, or it's not something that we can. Uh, it's not an index or something, especially in our country. Mm -hmm. But it's only a matter of um, let's say again mentality, or we go back to social norms. Girls can stay after a maghrib, and again, especially nowadays, um, we're not in the. I don't know, 1870 or something like that. Uh, women work and they go to work, late work, and they still uh, leave work. Or you don't need even like to work. You can just like hang out with your friends and come back uh, late. And that's okay. Maybe it again, uh, it's a matter. I don't know about you, but like, madam, is it something that people told you or it's something that you noticed and you just followed? You were just like walking on the street and you said like, oops, uh, no women are going around the streets this time. I should go home right away. Or it was it like people telling you that, Madam, uh, do not uh, be late or just you're supposed to be home at this time? Yeah, well, you know, right now I'm living with my grandparents and I have been since I got here. And my grandparents, like my grandma especially, is just the strongest woman ever like she she's actually the one who forced me out of the house when I got here she's like go out visit do this do that get involved with people talk to them because I was so shy at first so my grandparents are always you know trying to 
help me be comfortable and they have never said anything of the sorts uh, and neither has anyone in my family is just something that I noticed and something that I experienced because you know during the winter let's say I finish classes at five and I think the sun goes down like 5 30 which means that I'm not home <laughs> by the time that Maghrib attends and I'm always most of the time I finish late and so I always go back home at night and first of all there are very few people uh, that walk during that time like just very very few people and all of the girls that finished late actually had to call in like their parents or their older siblings to help them walk home because the sad reality of things is that you get harassed on your way home and so I didn't really want to bother my grandpa with this. I was just like, oh, no, fine. he's old. I don't need to make him walk to fetch me. I'm like a grown up. I can walk by myself. But when they saw a girl walking by herself after sundown and it was already dark, like it was pitch black by the time I got home, almost it was like a quarter to six. And, you know, that happened. And so it's not something that I was told, but it was rather something that I experienced and something that I'm also trying not to really go through again because that was traumatizing. Of course, you know, it's not the same thing in winter and in summer because then summer, like everyone is out all night. Like that's completely fine. But as a girl, you can't go out by yourself. Like you need, an, I don't know, another girl with you, an older woman with you, a dude, just like all of that. And that is something that I don't really understand, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know. It's sad. It's like, uh, it's our reality, but it's super sad. Like, can you imagine that people, um, whether like men or women, cannot I don't know, walk in their streets, like on streets or neighborhoods, uh, only because it is dark, only because um, the sun is not out you see it's, it's super yeah. sad but again as you said sometimes like you cannot control time sometimes you finish late sometimes you need to walk alone i don't know maybe you just feel like walking alone like i'm i'm sure that sometimes you're not in the mood to talk to anybody and just yes. want to walk yes and people like are not supposed to be afraid to walk alone yeah the irony of it all is that I used to like love taking walks at night when I was in high school and I would always take my walks at night by myself and never be scared but now I can't do that anymore <laughs> but again if we go back to the point of safety safety uh none of our cities are totally safe you see like even here in Iran uh women or men both when you walk alone uh there is always the chance that you may be you may get harassed or uh i don't know killed or something i don't know but still uh people go out uh women go out and they come home late and that is okay but again we need to emphasize that change cannot happen at one time Definitely. maybe a group wanna... of people can start doing it and it's like a step by step, step by step. I really do not encourage the immediate change, like the people that we just should uh, do it because it's going to be a culture shock for the rest of the society. <laughs> and I don't think any good would come uh, out of this. I really Definitely. do not believe that. I do want to like just give a little side note on what you said of like being killed. Um, I know you know where this is going, but lately I've been listening to a lot of crime 
podcasts. Yeah. And... <laughs> I knew that you would mention that. Yeah. And so I have learned a few tips along the way of how not to get um, spotted by a serial killer that is just in need of a prey to kill and to disbone and to maybe boil and eat. That happened. I swear to God, that really happened. There was a dude who like went around and killed people and then he would like boil their heads and everything. Crazy. Mid life. <laughs> that just took yeah, really flavors. You can't judge them. You can't judge people. <laughs> oh, for like, those those people you can judge them and oh no, those people you judge the fuck out of them. Life. And so just like a few tips for staying safe. Um if you're in a parking lot or even if you're outside and there's a van facing a wall or facing other cars, um, never walk by the side that has the door, especially if it's facing a wall and it's dark. And even during the day, like just never walk by the side that has the door because someone might open it and you may get pulled in and they can just like run off with you and no one would have seen anything because it was facing it was facing a wall or it was in a parking lot and no one was there so please guys be safe uh if you're ever walking and you see a van walk the other way run <laughs> you know the the tiktok where the like the vines of uh run run do 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 this one yeah yes <laughs> run do 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 <laughs> yeah no definitely I actually did that with my cousin last time we went out grocery shopping and we were just like randomly walking there was so much sun that day like you could literally see a little ant walking from like two meters away and we walked by a van and I just like like no we never should walk by a van never through the like the the, the side that has the door and she just looked at me in such a stupid way Ahmed madam we are two people. It is daylight and there are no walls facing the car. Like, just no. Uh, I think no. I have become a bit paranoid, like just a tiny bit, but I would rather, you know, better safe than sorry. Better safe than sorry. Life. Just like stay safe. That's all. Stay safe. Yeah, don't be like um, paranoid like Maram, but like stay safe, guys. Yes. <laughs> Did I tell you the story of, like, the Zoom call? What story? Like, okay, one time, um, a friend who's living in the UAE called me, and she called through Zoom because all of their apps are blocked. And I didn't recognize the ringtone because I very, very rarely get any calls on Zoom. And so I just, like, had a tiny little panic attack on my, this is not my ringtone, it's not my grandpa. Define tiny. Not my grandma's. <laughs> this must be a burglar and his phone just rang. And so I was convinced that there was someone else with us. But then I walked to my room and it was just like my phone. It was a Zoom call. That's because that's why I didn't recognize that ringtone. Well. Yeah. It's just well. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm never giving up on watching, on, on listening to crime podcasts. Nonetheless, I just love them so much. Bref, um, End of the side note. I could talk. I could do an, a whole episode on this. I should get Celia to do an episode about this with me. <laughs> okay, wait. I actually, like your stories would be uh, more interesting than the ones that we hear uh, on the other like actual crime podcasts. Like yours really? are just crazy. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so let's go back to our actual topic of the day. 
shall we? Yes. We, what were you saying again? I completely forgot. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about um, how, again, um, like society, like it's not something that it is written. It's not a rule. Again, so it's not a law. But uh, again, in some cities, uh, women are expected, that's the word, they are expected to be at home uh, before sun sets. I was talking to a girl who studies with me at school, and she is from a little town uh, close to Constantine, but like in another wilaya. And it, it's like a very, very small town. And so I don't remember what we were discussing, but at some point she was, oh yeah, we met my cousin. We were walking around campus and we met my cousin. And so, you know, I like some on the two cheeks, which is, you know, what you do when you see a cousin or like a family relative. Mm-hmm. She was shocked. Like at first she didn't know he was my cousin. She thought it was just like a normal, like just a, a random dude. But then I was like, oh no, that's my cousin. Like, say hi. And after see, you're that, not you're not even supposed to justify. But the, listen, listen, this is the good part. But then we walked off and she was like, I don't even talk. To my cousins like even if I see them on the street I wouldn't stop and say hi because then rumors would appear and we don't want that like that that could entre guillemets taint her reputation, reputation. just like talking to her cousin outside how can you not be shocked at this yeah it's well again uh it's different <laughs> uh it's not the same case here for us I mean that you can hug you can kiss that's totally okay but again, uh, I would argue about the part where you were supposed like, I believe that when you looked at her, it's just like the ju- judgmental face is like, what who the hell mean? is that? Exactly. And why, why the heck did you just kiss a guy? It doesn't like, you don't need to justify if it's a cousin, a brother, a father, it's just like kissing a guy and just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I want to go back to what you said earlier about slowly but surely changing things and not doing everything all at once. It made me remember an experiment that was done on a frog. So they took, yeah, they took um, a boiling bath of water and they just like made the frog jump in it and the frog got burned, right? But then they took the frog and they put it, they put him in a lukewarm bath and they slowly started raising the temperature and they noticed that the frog could actually withstand a higher temperature than the other bath he was thrown into uh, just because it happened so progressively and he didn't really notice that shocking change of all at once. So he could like, he could handle small little doses of like, the temperature going up instead of like it being very very hot all at once and i definitely think we should move forward with this in mind just to kind of like have an idea of what we want to change about our society and slowly but surely move towards that by taking small little actions so you know for example in this case of her seeing me with my cousin the first thing is just like as you said not having to justify it like yeah right or I don't know in another case uh, that may be having more girls walk outside after sundown 
exactly oh, did you hear about um i think that happened maybe two summers ago i think it was during ramadan uh before the covid now it's so weird when i like other little side note but it's so weird when i see things of what happened before covid because seeing so many people outside without a mask just like gives me so much anxiety crazy but i think it was uh i think she was a youtuber and it was ramadan and i think she was jogging by the beach and it was almost sundown. oh yes almost maghrib the plastic for cuisine thing yes and so she was yeah. stopped by a policeman who was like what are you doing here and she's like what 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 am i doing here wish the click and he was like no it's like it's almost maghrib for those who don't know maghrib is when we break our fast during ramadan which is the month during which muslims fast for the entire month and he was like no what are you doing here right now it's almost sundown you shouldn't be here your place is in the kitchen and she was so shocked she vlogged or like she talked about it on social media the next day i don't i don't remember how many women were like seen jogging at the beach at that time just to prove them wrong of like no they was like something. how about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i think this is definitely like it is such a beautiful demonstration of keep your opinion to yourself um but yeah we need more acts like this we need more of this definitely well um okay that's something that we can argue about when it comes to um just keep to say you or whatever you think about people for yourself sometimes it can be some it can be a respectful advice i don't know but uh you need to know when and to whom you should give that advice other than that again as you said just like shut up and keep doing whatever you were doing she's not bothering you she's not uh, i don't know doing harassing you or something it's like a peaceful jogging yeah that's that's okay uh if we can go back also on the change it needs to be progressive but also we should take that um sometimes we can, i hear that a lot of people they have the, the the mindset that we should change a lot of things about our society yes that's really true in our society we have a lot of social norms that they are just crazy mm-hmm. and we should be let's say more like the western societies but this is the thing uh we have two different realities you see for them to change something they took years and years and years and years to uh let's say become the society that they are uh today i'm not saying that they are perfect but like if we take some some i don't know some points they, mm-hmm. they are way better than us and this is the thing a change cannot happen immediately it's not like uh we should be like this because in that country it is like that no uh, you also need to prioritize we have some sometimes we have some needs that we need to fulfill first that we are denied because of social norms then we go to the other things to i don't know to make our lives easier for us so again uh prioritize and change and progressively uh would um save us a lot of uh trouble especially in, in some uh restricted let's say and limitless places i, I don't want to say city because again i told you sometimes uh within the same city it can be different from one let's say one neighborhood to another definitely yeah i do, i also think um you know all societies no matter their origins or their background or 
that geographical position I think we all have work to do like no society is perfect and just nothing in general in life is a hundred percent perfect and done and just like close the book move on there's always place to grow and you know they had to fight those battles maybe a bit before maybe before we did at some point there were also other battles that we fought before they did and I think it's exactly. really nice um, to keep that in mind. And because a lot of people here, they just assume that everything about the West is perfect and that everything is being done better there and that we should just like follow along and let go of all of our cultures and our traditions. But we actually do have very beautiful cultures and traditions, I think. And... Okay, we, we did spend maybe the last 30 minutes just complaining about them. <laughs> but we actually have a lot of very beautiful social norms here that I never saw anywhere else. The most basic one ever is when I would shop before. You know, I would make small talk with the cashier and go like, hi, how are you? How's your day? And I would get my things and go, goodbye, bye. But here it's like, they're your neighbors so you know them and you get to have that small talk but there are words of kindness that I've heard just just after purchasing something that I've never heard before I remember the first time I went out and went grocery shopping um I got a few things and then the dude was like which means like may God protect you and make you successful and they just like stopped in my tracks and went wow thank you so much <laughs> wow <laughs> what a nice thing of you to say to me so randomly who is just like a stranger to you now I got used to it and I actually really appreciate that um but what I really appreciate about the way that we do things here in Algeria is the warmth of the people even though Algerian people are very stubborn they're very hot to deal with at times and the administration is absolute shit. We have a beautiful population of people who are ready to stand up with you when you're struggling, who are always going to have your back and who don't always, not, yeah, they don't really, they do their best. Like, I can just see that everyone is struggling, but they're doing their best and they're keeping their warmth through all of it. Like, I just love the small talk that I have with everyone. I used to be such a shy person and I was like, even afraid of talking to people I knew, not even strangers. Like, let's say I saw an acquaintance outside. I wouldn't even go say hi because I was too shy to do that. But now I can just like strike up a conversation with a stranger and it would feel completely normal. And that's something that I haven't been able to do anywhere else because I haven't felt that warmth anywhere else, if that makes sense. Yeah, but like, like this is the thing. Uh, you pointed like such an interesting point is that this is something that you may notice because you were not living in Algeria. And when, when you joined Algeria back, you notice that there, uh, let's say, people are really kind. Something that we may underestimate because we've been living here since, uh, let's say, birth. 
uh, us, let's say as ISACers, for example, we receive a lot of exchange participants. And the first thing uh, that uh, our exchange participant would say is that Algerians are super kind, are really nice. They talk to us like really, uh, really well, uh, super helpful and generous and stuff. And sometimes nobody, like we, we won't lie to ourselves and say like, hmm, maybe it's only because you're a foreigner maybe they're treating you uh, differently, but sometimes when you give it, like when you reflect uh, on like your surroundings, you re realize that yes, our, let's say our people are kind and they are warm actually. They really are. Last year we got someone from Peru, Arthur, and he, he was here for like three months. And in those three months, he actually like paid for his own lunch, maybe like, you could count that on your hand, like just a couple of times because he was always invited to people's houses. He was always invited for lunch. Every day, someone would host him for dinner and they would make him discover our traditional dishes. And by the end of his stay, which, yeah, he left in like January 2019, 2020, right before the COVID hit, he was the one like walking us around Constantin and knowing more about my own city than I ever did. Like, mm -hmm. he just got so used to it. And a lot of people that come don't actually want to leave because we are warm. We actually, like, we should give credit to ourselves for that because that's not something that you encounter everywhere. Um, I'm actually, like, working, volunteering. We're, like, I'm volunteering for an NGO in the U.S. And during our meetings, I can't help but notice, like, the lack of, let's say playfulness and little warmth like during our meetings we are always having fun and doing jokes but we get work done but in the fun way and theirs is like only business <laughs> and I don't know if it's because the members aren't that close to each other but then I remember even our meetings when we were still newbies and we were still kind of like strangers to each other we were still very chill and very playful and very warm and so I think we should give ourselves credit for that just for kind of still having that hope that there is good in everyone and that everyone has something good to contribute and that you can strike up a conversation with anyone necessarily feeling intimidated or without threatening your safety and you know that is that doesn't only apply to Algeria I know that this is the case in a lot of places but it's something that made me grow fonder of my own country because I have never experienced such a thing elsewhere. And so props to us for that. Little round of applause, please. Okay. Now, <laughs> if I tell you that we have a more juicy topic to talk about, which is mm -hmm. house duties versus boys and girls. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's like exclusive, I guess, for Algerians, maybe Arabic countries. So when it comes to boys and girls who lives in the same house under the same roof, uh, they have different responsibilities, or let's say some uh, may have more responsibilities than the others, only because society says so. Let's not lie to ourselves. Traditionally speaking, 
girls just do everything and boys just sit down and look pretty and eat all the food <laughs> but like no it's not no no it's not in every single house but yes mainly this is the thing because like i believe you cannot go to a house and say like um to a mom let's say especially moms uh shout out all to, to all aldrian moms we love you but you. uh if you go yes like um why is your daughter doing the dishes and not your son no okay saying that both the daughter and the son are studying okay none mm-hmm. of them have let's say professional life they're not working or something but still like the same they have the same status they live in the same house with the same people but still if you go and tell them like why uh, your boy ain't doing the dishes it's like uh, why would he do them since i do have more since i have a girl. girl what is my girl for then exactly oh, this argument makes me want to punch the person so hard but it's true you know it's um like for example in our house it's like um okay we are three boys and one little girl but still um she's like 11 yeah she's almost 12 years old but she's expected let's say for example to help mom to do the dishes like not do the dishes but like please help mom do the dishes or clean or something and i still have two beautiful brothers who'd be screaming screaming their guts out at the kitchen saying uh mom come and serve us um we're like just yeah come right now and serve us like dude you have the microwave in front of you you have stove you have dishes you have the food just like move your hand up and down and like a little bit of movement and then boom you can serve your own self yeah but again i don't blame let's say um i blame more the moms for example in this case more the moms than the um, let's say the boys mhm because they got them used to being treated this way that is their norm they were educated this way yeah in our house the way we did things um i'm actually really grateful for that when i realized that it wasn't wasn't ultimately the normal way to go around but our house chores weren't divided based on gender at home it was more based off on the workload that you had how it's like if one of us had an exam he wouldn't have to do his chores let's say that day or if one of us uh, was sick or something like gender was never really something that played into it i'm the oldest um so of course i took on more house chores because my siblings are younger than me and just as an older sister but it always felt like I would I was doing it as an older sibling and not just like as the girl of the family. So for example at home everyone would contribute to like setting the table, removing the dishes and washing them and doing the laundry and vacuuming and doing this and doing that. <laughs> at some point my grandma came to live with us and I remember her being so shocked when she saw my brothers like folding the laundry she was like why are you doing that i was studying she's like why are you doing that you're like well, we're folding the laundry she's like but what is your sister <laughs> doing like why does she exist and i was studying I'm like did you just really say that are you kidding are you just and i i 
now that I'm living with my grandma, I think that she, she now she actually has become the biggest feminist ever because my grandpa doesn't help her. And so she wants him to help her. But it's like, how can you expect him to help you now at 80 years old when exactly. you got him used to never helping before? You know, it's like, deux points de mesure en mode, really? Like, really? <laughs> Yeah, because again, uh, it, it depends on, let's say, sticking to the same point. It depends on the parents. And it actually, the parents, for example, uh, hear the progressive change. Uh, you cannot change every single family, but you can start with your own family. Like you as a father or you as a mother, you can start with your own children. You can raise them in the way that you want on the right way. For example, yeah. um this is the thing we always see that uh women are expected for example especially our sisters or something they're expected to do the dishes and they're expected to do uh, laundry stuff because again uh it's their job although sometimes they still have exams they still have the same shit they're going through but still uh you're spared and we change it with the idea of that we are helping Yeah. Okay, we are contributing to the, uh, I don't know, to the wellness of the whole family. Because again, it's super healthy when people are helping each other instead of like having only one person doing the whole job. Mm-hmm. Makes it really easier to just like take care of the household. And even when everyone is contributing, like... um. I am completely against the idea of one person handling everything. Most of the time, that's the mom. And so she's handling, you know, the food, making sure the place is clean, making sure that the kids are well and healthy. But as I'm growing up and seeing everything that is expected of a woman, um, and although, you know, now things are changing. And so men are also expected to help with the house because, now women are also working and so they can't compl- get give their all of their time to their family but as i'm realizing this i just feel i feel very grateful for all of the work that moms put into raising their children because it is very tiring and also just makes me wish that i was more aware of that because you know sometimes as a kid when mom would need some help All of us kids were just like, why not? No, j'ai pas envie, no. But then you grow up and you realize how tiring it is. And you're like, oh, I wish I could just have done that one little thing for me that would take five minutes, but that would take a little burden off her shoulders. And so to everyone listening, um, appreciate your moms or your dads. If Appreciate your parents more, <laughs> bottom line. Appreciate your parents more because... Yeah, show some gratitude. these people they are doing so much for us every day and you know when i see just how we've grown the adults that we're becoming i would not have been the person that i am today without the support of my parents and i am infinitely grateful for that so i can see that they are doing their best and doing their best to affect society through their own children by raising us right by giving us values that can help us that can keep us tethered 
and by overall just making us decent human beings that it, they're not gonna hurt society or hurt other human beings in any way and just you know just for all of that I wanna really thank them and give them a little A for effort even though a lot some people may mess up a bit along the way that's normal that's totally human that's okay thank you parents we appreciate you we love you but still again uh same thing goes for parents <laughs> same thing goes for parents actually uh learn uh to raise your children um in a way that you know that for the next years they're going to be the people leading their community leading their country but again because again with the same like following the, the same say cultural social norms and these stupid things they wouldn't we will never let's say involve or become uh the people that we really truly uh see ourselves in the future so yeah it's it's okay to let's say to go back on the the points that we we talked and i believe that's it's it's also good for us as the next generation let's say mm-hmm. hopefully uh inshallah we're gonna all become parents and i really hope that this generation will stick to the mindset they're having right now is that like okay uh, i know that the parents they're doing the best but still we can always you know we can always improve stuff we can always do things on our way so again, going back to the change, uh, the progressive change, it can start with you. So always keep that on your mind. And once you have children, make sure not to forget all the things that we were talking about. And uh, shout out to myself. And I really, no, I, I know that I'm not going to be doing that in the future because like, again, that's not something that I do now. It's not something that say, society taught me at the opposite is something that I say realize and something that I decided to change is like that's okay to help my mom in the kitchen that is okay to cook with her that's okay to help her when she's under pressure because again um, when it's like it's one person and it's like a big house I'm not saying like a big and big big but it's like people she has children she has a husband sometimes she has um parents there so it's a lot of pressure on our mom so it's really really okay uh and it's recommended guys to move your asses and just help and do things uh by yourself thank you take responsibility for your own self thank you you're a grown-up act like it yes uh no definitely and i can i can also see some change and some progress um when it comes to that i'm thinking back to you know what you said uh when we become parents we try to keep in mind all of the the old notes that we are mentioning right now and you know when i just look at my own family let's say i can see the progress um on a few things if we just take one of the most basic things ever, which is education. My grandma didn't have access to education. My first aunt did, but she had to stop school at an early age. My second aunt, which is a bit over 10 years, 10, maybe 15 years younger, uh, she got a degree, now she's working. And now that I look at us grandchildren, Every woman in the family is such a strong, badass queen. And our grandma today is the one cheering us on to pursue our education, pursue our goals and our dreams and 
fight for all of these things because she doesn't want what happened to her to happen to us and so I love my grandma so much she's just my bigger cheerleader ever <laughs> she I love her so much love her so much um and so you know I can just see the little progress that happened on this plan of four generations maybe a bit more um but it's definitely it gives me hope for the future because when I see how things have been evolving even though it is slow it has been a steady change and it gives me hope for the upcoming generations maybe things will be better for my younger sister and maybe even for my kids like they won't have to fear walking during the night or just going for a jog by by the by the beach before Maghrib during but always the- respecting but always respecting Madam's uh, anti anti crime um, piece of advice. Yes, don't always. walk by the side of by the side of the door for a van. Never the side that is facing a wall. Thank you. Stay safe. <laughs> Stay safe. Okay, so talking about education, um, even here in Algeria, we have a lot of, um, say, stereotypes, expectations when it comes to education, actual ed- education at school, when people arrive at a certain point of their lives, and aka here in Algeria, it's the baccalaureate, mainly. Uh, it's like a really big question mark for most of the students, Algerian students, is like, what the heck am I supposed to do with my lives? And yeah. here, society be like, come to me. I will dictate whatever you're supposed to do for the rest of your life. And that's something really, really wrong. An example, like, um, like for example, people who get high average at a baccalaureate exam. Two things are suggested. And do not, do not say no. Like, first of all, go for a medical uh, specialty, whatever. Second thing, go, for example, for, uh, I don't know, maybe something related to oil. Because it's first, the first cho- choice, it's noble and everyone should uh, should be doing it. And second one, it has, a, it has a lot of money. You see, it's like one of the two. Yeah, that is very true. That's also very toxic. But again, it's very real. And here people like um, the thing that we're lacking in our society is that orientation. We don't have orientation. We don't have the sense of uh, like during your whole life, you're supposed to do something that you really love, something that you're passionate about. I do understand that uh, when we arrive at a certain uh, point of our lives that we're supposed to choose something that will uh, give us, let's say, some sort of an easy life for us and for our children and family and so on. But still, we always need to go for the things that we love. And we can never discover the things that we we love by our own. Yes, it's true. Some of the people who are involved in organization associations at a young age or the people who like to search and stuff uh, and people who got lucky to go uh, for, I don't know, exchange or uh, they've been uh, doing, I don't know, a lot of work, extra, extra curriculum activities besides their uh, school that's great for them but like if we talk about the majority it's not the case it's just like you go to school you come back home you go to school come back home go to school you pass your exams and then boom you don't know what to do you pass your exam and then you have hundreds and i mean hundreds 
of choices, madam. And you just sometimes you just open them and you look at them. And again, society be like, I can't prioritize them for you. It's not because you know what you should go for. And that's sad. It I believe that's not something that you went through, right, madam? No, I was lucky. Maybe when you can share me. your experience with us. <laughs> you just gave us the line of what you usually do during sessions. You just go like, if you want to share your opinion with us. You just hit me with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. But no, I was very um, lucky when it came to that. So, you know, our high school um, actually provided very good support when it came to post-baccalaureate orientation. So throughout three years of high school, we had like a counselor regularly coming in and checking up on us and we were expected to at least take an appointment with her and go talk about what we wanted to do so she could help us if we had no idea we were even more encouraged to go talk to her because she could help us give us some suggestions uh because you know she had like a little part to fill in the um, uni applications I think for both UCAS and Common App. And so she needed to know the students, she needed to know all of us. And it was definitely really helpful to have someone um, kind of guide you along. And especially since it's been done on the span of three years. So going into the, your last year, into your terminal, you have an idea of what you wanna do. And usually college applications are during the year. so. Each one of them have like different timelines. I know that Common App starts the earliest, then you have UCAS, then you have Parcoursup. And so we have like all of these different timelines to juggle, but she it was very, very helpful to have someone guide you and talk to you and listen to you and help you see things from another perspective as well. Like, honestly, I feel very, very grateful for the support system that I got, really. But then I came here <laughs> and I had like a shitload of documents to <laughs> translate and get approved. And I actually had to take like my baccalaureate and go to the ministry and get it, get some sort of like an equivalence um, just to say like, oh, okay, we accept your baccalaureate here. She's <laughs> just like, I'm sorry, what? Were you not going to accept it, Yanni? What? Um, and I, I, you know that I actually only got to register when you guys were done, like students with a foreign baccalaureate diploma don't get to register at the same time as everyone else. So we have less choices because some specialties are already like full. So we don't have access to them. That is crazy. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, but again, uh, you were super lucky when it comes to the orientation, although nobody knows why Madame decided to come back to Altrium and nobody's judging her, though. But still, <laughs> but still, um, it was um, I believe that you came to Algeria out of your own choice. You decided that you want to come to Algeria and study. No, I was right. Kidnapped. You were kidnapped. Uh, that explains a lot about you, Madam, <laughs> but still. Really good. No, no, I came here out of my own free will. But just because I'm studying law and it doesn't make sense to study another country's law. 
like why would I go study like another country's legislation when I could just like study my own because that's relative and I only have one passport so it doesn't make sense to go study in another country and then leave it and then I don't know what happens right? yeah yeah I no no I do understand you madam yeah. so what I was saying is that you were you were super lucky when it comes to the orientation and uh, like you have a counselor who can guide you who can actually help you discover where you're going to be in I don't know two three four five years or even uh your future career this is something that we're lacking here and that's something could help a lot of students because again uh we find we all know people with us like in our uh school or university uh, we're just like confused like I have I know people like five six years doing the same specialty and they say like what what the heck am I doing here? Why am I still like, what, wh why? And that, that why is, is toxic. It just toxic. You're not supposed to be asking this question after this time, like after five, six years. I do believe that we had a teacher first year at the, at the medical, uh, medical uh, faculty. And he was like, um, that it, it's super okay. If you wanna, you, you want to quit. If this specialty is not yours, nobody's nobody's supposed to judge you. You just quit and you go for something that actually fits your, um, let's say, background, personality, or whatever you inspire yourself to be. That's okay because we all under understand that at a certain point, a lot of people uh, choose the specialty because their parents wished it for them, which is crazy. Uh, I was lucky, I believe, uh, when I took my baccalaureate exam. Uh, how did I got it with, like, uh, let's say, a decent average? So, I actually, like, I, I had all, back then, I had all the options in front of me. And, again, when you say a lot of options, society says, uh, I do also have a lot of recommendations. So, I, <laughs> no, seriously, like, this is, uh, this is um, a true story. I took my, like, the results were in Ramadan. So, uh, people came to congratulate me uh, by uh, late, right? Mm -hmm. And I was the topic of the um, the gada. You know, people were sitting. It's like, oh, but you took your baccalaureate exam. It's like, yes. Oh, you should do this and this and this because you know why? This is good and this is bad and this is good. This is bad. One, I had people like saying, oh, dentistry. Why would you go for that? It's six years that's a lot and other people was like why not go for medicine it's like one year between them why not go for that and the other one is like you should go for oil and the other one is say like no <laughs> Aldria will like no oil will be <laughs> once you finish your studies uh we won't be have any oil it's like toot my truth can I have an opinion please no it's like thank you like congrats give me your money and next <laughs> that's the only thing that I want from you your point of view but yeah people uh still think uh, that they can give opinion and make choices for you and that's okay for them because again uh it's mentioned in our social norms holy book i think it's because we are just so 
friendly and so tightly knit with each other that we feel entitled to giving our opinion to everyone's life. Like we just go like, oh, that's your personal life, but here's what I think you should do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes that's nice. Uh, sometimes it just like, no, no, thank you. You can keep that to yourself. I don't need it. I want to go back to, you know, the part about raising uh, children, right? And having parents do some sort of a more um, conscious choice when they teach their children how to behave, just to make sure that they can make society a better place for the upcoming generations. Sometimes mm -hmm. I think when there are certain things in our societies that are so deeply rooted and engraved in the culture or in the traditions that it's actually very hard to break out of them. And so, you know, I think that we are not evolving as fast as we want because sometimes people are caught in at a crossroad of what is right but would be very hard to go for because you would be standing up against a whole society and having to take a very hard path of always being questioned, being undermined, all of that, or just going with the flow and taking the easier path of just moving along with everyone. And I am sad to say that, you know, in, in some cases, I am part of the, the people who just go along with the flow. Sometimes when I don't feel like it and I don't feel like arguing, I just go like, yeah, sure. Okay, let's do that. Or I just sit down and watch as something happens and I'm not really, as something that I am against, entre guillemets, happens and I'm not really reacting to it. Sometimes because I feel scared, sometimes because I low-key feel like those people are not going to listen and that it would be worthless to wait my energy and time with them. Um... But I definitely think it's important to acknowledge the fact that the struggle is real. Like actually standing up and trying to change things, that is a very hard step to take. Sometimes we need to, sometimes we need a support. We need a support system that is going to help us do that. And sometimes people are scared to stand up and talk and say like, no, this is wrong. We should change this about our society and we should stop doing this uh so yeah i just want to really acknowledge the um, effort that everyone is doing uh to change our reality make it a better place for everyone and know that it's actually good to be aware of the fact that we're taking the easier path sometimes because you may do that the first time the second time and then the third time as you know that you have done it already, you may muster up some courage to actually stand up and talk and take the harder path of just actually sticking to what you believe is right instead of just following along with what you believe is easier and more socially acceptable. Totally right. So, um, I don't know, but should we talk about another major social norm here in Algeria. Do you want to talk about weddings? Yes. Yalla. <laughs> Let's go. So, madam. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No. Okay, madam. 
You, the person who didn't live in Algeria mm -hmm. for so long, tell me your first impression of the first wedding that you attended here in Algeria, like a true full wedding. I saw it as too extravagant and it was draining and I didn't talk for days afterwards because all of my social energy was drained and <laughs> it was like in one word it would just be extravagant too much too much i just like it's it's kind of extra that's the thing um and again uh this kind of things are different from one city to another from one society to another but still our weddings as you said are just too much and it's not because people let's say it's not because the couple really wish wishes to have this kind of celebration it's because the society because they're expected to follow uh the previous let's say couples or the previous weddings or how things are were supposed to be done back in i don't know 19 something we still do them but like hopefully we can see some light now people are still uh doing crazy weddings they're spending a lot of money uh on stupid things actually they're super stupid uh on clothing including their did you know it's super it's super expensive especially the the brides um you know clothing there's a whole event uh called Algeria. i don't know if you guys do it in Ohran, but it's a whole event uh here in constantine where it's like separate from the wedding so here there are like a few steps before the actual weddings one of them is the jeria which is considered to be the bride's day and so they organize either a lunch and a coffee or like a coffee and a dinner. And during that event, the bride literally just like walks around in seven different outfits, showing off all of her outfits. Un peu comme un déchlidement, like a, a runway. A runway, right. And that's just that's just the point of the event. The bride showing off her clothes. Her traditional clothes, her Indian sari. Lately, they have been really into Bollywood. So a lot of people have been doing like saris. <laughs> and like her Qbaili clothes and this and that. And I just, I never understood the point. Like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to talk shit about anyone who does it and who appreciates it. Like, that's good for you, Babu. But I personally don't see myself spending this much money on clothes or like a runaway show <laughs> for me that when it could be money that I can invest money that I could go tour the, the world with or money that I could just like invest in a house or secure something else with that is going to be necessary to my life and not just have it be one afternoon or one morning doesn't make sense to me but again it does to some I like sometimes it's not it's not about only the money, madam. <laughs> if it was about the money, that's okay. Some people are rich, you can do that. But like sometimes even the clothes that you buy, you you don't wear another time. For example, who the heck would wear an Indian Saudi in other events? They might wear who? it like another wedding of someone else. 
no listen to the social ex uh, social norms <laughs> um <laughs> Yes, it's like uh, you feel that they are in Hollywood or something, you know, the super uh, celebrities, they don't wear the same dress twice. Yeah, that's bullshit. Because, you know, who wears a dress twice? You, not me. <laughs> yeah, you, not me. This is the thing. Even here in Oran, for example, uh, sometimes the bride, um, I don't know, asks or even buys some clothes that it's impossible that it's for sure she's not wearing in another celebration because again it's the wedding it's the bride's uh clothes and she will be a bride only once i mean in the i don't know if you understood what i want to say but that's the thing uh, why would you why would you go through all of this shit for something that you were not going to be uh wearing over and over and over and over But yeah, this is this is the thing. Um, I see again that Algerians are getting uh, better when it comes to the weddings uh, mindset. Uh, we have in let's say more small weddings than than uh, we used to have back in uh, in maybe in the early 20s when people used to have seven days uh, for one wedding, which was crazy. Seven days is a lot. Like, I feel tired thinking of it. Maybe it's because I can't put up with that much social interaction. But I, I just have no energy left in me just thinking about seven days of wedding. There's what I can say... Yeah. So what I can say about this is that people should consider more than that this is a celebration. This is a personal celebration that is supposed to be for the couple itself, for their close people, and for their family. Uh, you should not be spending a lot of money on something that you will only uh, believe in once. But again, as Madam said, take like take people's money and invest it in other things. Maybe you want to go on an amazing honeymoon, or maybe you want to invest that money on a business they want to do. But just like be rational about this kind of things. Yes. I actually, well, at some point, I was following kind of like a few of those uh, couple vloggers and a subject that kept coming back was financial stability. Um, you know, a lot of people chose to wait to be financially stable, to be able to get married because they didn't want to, let's say, spend all of their savings on this. It's not even one day. I wish I could say one day, but it's like, a few different couple days on the span of like a few months and so they just like keep on spending and spending and spending and a lot of people are choosing to save for it if you want to have a wedding that's your choice like that's a liberty that you're free to, to, to take that's that's a personal choice I personally don't see myself spending that much money if I don't at least have the basic necessities I will need to live a good life with my partner moving forward because marriage is already hard like if you take out of the equation money even just like living with someone else and getting used to you basically just have like a new roommate a roommate that you know you're having sex with but like it's a roommate and so if you take all of the um, financial things out of the equation 
it's already hard enough just getting adjusted to your new life. If you throw financial problems in there, no, thank you. <laughs> that would make it, you know, so much harder. And so I definitely think it would be wise to to be rational when it comes to this. Uh, I know a lot of people, I personally know a lot of people, even people from my family who just spent huge amounts on their wedding and they even found themselves in debt without a house at the end. And it's like, that doesn't make sense. Why? You had the money at first, you had enough money at first to do a small wedding and get yourself a, a house for like, like rent a house for one year. Like you could have done this if you wanted to, but they really wanted to do something very posh and extravagant and luxurious. And so they ended up in debt uh, without a house to live in, which, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop butchering them. <laughs> I'm going to stop um, saying all of that. But I definitely think uh, it would be a wise choice to make just to make it easier for yourself down the line. Because you want to be able to enjoy your time with your partner once you're married instead of like worrying about your rent or something. Yeah, because it's it's all about the quality and not the quantity. It's not about how many people you're going to invite or how much money you're going to spend. But it's like, uh, are you enjoying your wedding? Are you feeling happy? Are you appreciating the people uh, surrounding you? Are you grateful instead of like, uh, are people are satisfied with the wedding? Who sh why would you care about their opinion? You should be worrying about your own. Mm -hmm. I got to attend... Um... I feel like three to four weddings uh, since I got here. Like I would attend weddings before, but I was younger. Um, I was like kind of a child, so I didn't really pick on all of these things. But now that I'm a bit older, uh, I've been attending a few weddings and you know, like old, like the grandmas, they just sit at the table and they Speak. la buzz of the wedding <laughs> they, and sometimes i would like they would have to like split the the kids entre guillemets because we're technically not kids anymore but we're still regarded as kids they like split them amongst the other tables for like for the meals and sometimes you find yourself squeezed in between two grandmas who are eating but going like oh this is so bad like they could have done this better they could have cooked this better the salad doesn't look really nice this is not very tasty this is not like this oh have you seen what she's wearing who wears that <gasps> look at what she just did Ooh, this girl didn't stop dancing she probably wants to get married and so sitting down and hearing all of this just <laughs> no merci <laughs> personally doesn't really make me want to do such a thing but then i want to go back to what you said about choosing the people that you want present at your wedding. I feel like that is hard to do because here everyone is just like so close that if you don't invite specific people, they would just get mad at you and get butt hurt. Like the problem is even if I were to invite just like my immediate family to my own wedding, that would be a ton of people because I have a family of bunnies. So even that is, even that is going to be a lot of people without thinking of like all of the distant relatives. I mean, if you love them, 
you should invite them. Well, I love However, if lovely. they are the kind of family that you see once in a decade, once in, uh, I don't know, 20 years maybe, why would you care to invite them? Only because they are related to you. Again, I would always stick to the point that you should be surrounded uh, by the people who loves you and you love them back instead of people who you know <laughs> will definitely judge you in a table next to Madame. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And from what I've seen, it's probably not the case all the time, which obviously, um, but from what I've seen, even the people organizing the wedding and the bride and the groom themselves, they don't even get to fully enjoy that day because they're just like stressed and running around, making sure everything is okay and not even taking part in all of the celebration. Like, you know, sometimes they are absent and the bride is always getting changed. So she spends just like hours in the fitting rooms. But they don't really get to fully enjoy their day together, which I think is a bit sad. But we're definitely moving away from that because <laughs> there's something that my grandma says that, the, you know, the people who were supposed to get married but then couldn't because of COVID and they only had to settle on like signing the contract at the town hall. Um, she said that she says that the people who didn't actually seize the chance to not do a wedding are, are just like dumb that they, they they should have just like signed their papers and enjoyed their own company instead of stressing about oh I was about well I don't know I don't know it's a personal choice uh, if people want huge big weddings with a thousand people good for you that's awesome great if you love it do it but if you don't and it brings you more anxiety then it brings you happiness just wave it <laughs> just don't do it for those who don't know wave is just like peso chose just like ignore it move on yeah thank you next kind of thingy so yeah if it does bring you happiness do it if it doesn't wave it right but hey amen to that did this podcast bring you happiness it did it did. Like we discussed a lot of, uh, let's say, juicy topics, and yeah, like like I always enjoy these kind of conversations where um, I can finally discuss them with someone because again, in some situations, are they're considered as taboos, and we're not supposed to be talking about them. It's just like a no. <laughs> so just having the, the the opportunity to talk about them just uh, makes me feel happy. Thank you for the chance, Madam. Of course. You know what that made me realize is that during most of our calls, we just talk about like those taboo subjects. You're like, what is taboo that we haven't talked about yet? And we just like talk about it. Exactly. <laughs> but that's something to be appreciated. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. You're most welcome. Well, I think. Um, yeah we should probably wrap this up we could keep on talking for hours we're probably going to keep on talking for hours after this but this is quite long already so thank you so much for doing this with me I really thank you so much for having me i didn't see the time and that was pleasure like one hour and a half just went by in a second 
Yeah, but like, come on. Uh, <laughs> we never had uh, a call that lasted less than one hour. It's always like two hours, two thirty. It's like, uh, Madame talks a lot. I don't talk a lot. She does. What? Oh wait, d'accord. D'accord. If you weren't weren't to talk a lot, you wouldn't be on this podcast to start with. Ah, uh, you have a point, though. <laughs> no, I think everyone here can just you know be. Uh, a witness? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that everyone here can just be a witness to how much you talk. But that's okay. What a way to, what a way to finish your podcast by teasing <laughs> me. I love you. Thank you so much. And yeah. Love you too. So guys, that was it. I hope that you enjoyed this little episode of us just complaining about everything, but also touching on on a few things that are pertinent to us. I hope they want to you. Feel free to share with us anything that is relative to your own society, to your own community, any ideas you may have about breaking the cycle and changing things for the upcoming generations would love to talk about this you can find us on instagram i will leave everything in the notes down below but yeah i hope you enjoyed it stay safe stay healthy and until next time